Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. And welcome to episode 354 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... To infinity and beyond! Matt, how are you doing? I'm very good, David. How are you? I'm very, very good. Uh, second week in the row for you, basically because it's a bank holiday and everybody else is away. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still on my holiday and stuff like that. Yeah, so. it's always lovely to have you back out anyway. So uh, what you. have you been up to and doing? Well, we've actually been watching the same show, so we'll mention those when we get to your part. Yes. Uh, which there's a couple of little things I wanted to talk about. Some YouTube Twitch related stuff. I've been trying to kind of go through some of Bex's streams. Obviously, she does like classic games, retro sort of games, uh, lots of chat stuff. It's in boxes on occasions um, but the, the main thing I was interested in watching from her was Tomb Raider because I really like those uh, those yes. classic games obviously that's embedded in like PlayStation's history and those are the classic games with the tank controls and all that sort of stuff so my main issue which has got nothing to do with Bex herself or anything like that is that they're on Twitch and it's got like all the streams bundled in one sort of big line and trying to start from Tomb Raider 1 and me trying to go through those and, and find those was a, was a bit challenging so I'm going to keep trying to sort of do that and scroll through the videos and that but um no it was uh, it was good to see someone else play the game and that um i think i watched like my sister play the games when i was younger and that but uh, no they're, they're quite good to, to watch and stuff and bex was quite good to watch and everything with, with the chat and stuff but no it's more about sort of like you know can you make the jumps kind of the <laughs> thing and, and all that type of stuff and getting away from from things one of the quite good things about those old games actually is the aiming system because literally if you walk into a room or run into a room and you've got your guns out and stuff lara does automatically aim aim at the right enemy yes. and then if, there, if there's two she'll automatically aim at the next one so it's not like with Metal Gear Solid or something where you've got to do that yourself so that was pretty good it, it, I think it's mainly so you can focus on jumping and actually getting away from enemies which is quite difficult so I've been enjoying watching Bex do a bit of that it's just that the videos are a bit disorganised but that's because of Twitch and not because of her so, yes there's no way of yeah. they're all in one kind of massive stream aren't they there's no yeah, way of, all, all of separating them out like you can on YouTube and stuff and stick them in directories and things bit more difficult to go through everything but uh, yes those are uh, Tomb Failer streams yeah that's what called yeah. where she plays Tomb Raider 1. She's on Tomb Raider 2 at the moment. I think her plan is to go through all of the uh, classic ones. Uh, this is, uh, just if you're new to the show, this is uh, Trista Bites. So Trista, B-Y-T-E-S on Twitch. And uh, she occasionally co-hosts on the show, obviously, as well, which is why mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about her. And she's been on uh, Entertainment Talk as well. I don't know whether she's been streaming much this week because she's been over at GamesCon in Germany. I think she's back now. 
but yep. she's been over there, which is the other reason why she's not on the show this week. So. <laughs> yeah, but no, we love Bex, and uh, it's good to see some of her streams. Um, yes. So that's Bex's stuff. Uh, the other stuff I've been watching is a series called Metal Gear Stupid. For those of you who don't know what that is, there's a channel called PlayStation Access, which they are branded with PlayStation, but they're not biased towards PlayStation. They don't sort of like love every single game just because it's on PlayStation and that type of thing, which good. is good because you, yes. really, you don't really want that type of bias, which sometimes you'll find on uh, certain Man United related things but I won't talk about that here. <laughs> but basically the idea is that there's the three of the guys, there's Rob, David and Nathan and Rob is the one who's like played and when I say played the Metal Gear games, I like played them inside and out multiple times and all that sort of stuff like he right. knows the series and everything. David and Nathan are the other two and the idea is because they've never played and this is the first Metal Gear Solid game by the way so the PlayStation 1 right. original game which is still a like absolute masterpiece of a game and it's like really iconic and that. Mm-hmm. And they try and go through the game and they're playing it through a PS3 with the original versions downloaded not that there's any other versions of that game because Konami's never remastered them because they're annoying and they go through the game and it was a Christmas let's play thing so they call him Christmas Snake and they call uh, <laughs> they call Rob uh, Christmas Snake it's part of the whole shtick and everything so that's quite funny and basically when one of them dies which is often they switch over to the other person I suppose it's because one of the things where because Rob's played the game so much and he knows like what mechanics to use and the right things he gets really frustrated with them but with both of them because they keep making stupid mistakes <laughs> right, and yeah. why it's called Metal Gear Stupid things like putting claymores the wrong way around and walking into your own claymores and right, yeah. that, that sort of thing so it's been really 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 quite funny and they get caught like all the time and Rob gets really annoyed so it's uh, has been quite good there's not many of the episodes for the first game because I guess the first game was a bit shorter but I've really really enjoyed going through those series if you just type in Metal Gear Stupid on YouTube you can find the, the let's plays of those so that's been really good but I've been watching a lot of PlayStation Access in general just really sort of liked that crew and everything so yeah. been quite good so that's the YouTube sort of stuff that I've been doing I haven't been playing it anything because I've been waiting for Last of Us Part 1 to come out on Friday so other than playing COD and that sort of stuff that's what I've kind of been up to cool I've actually had a pretty busy week on TV uh, some gaming I've actually completed Two Point Campus I've got like three stars on all the different schools on Two Point Campus so I'm, I'm putting that down been playing around with some other bits and pieces but on TV side of things I watched Top Gun Maverick because that's now out on home release you can go and buy it I don't think it's actually on free yet but um, I wanted to catch that because I'd heard some good things about it I was a big fan of the original Top Gun movie and um, I just wanted to see how it worked have you caught this yet? No I haven't seen the original either <laughs> uh, which I should do because they seem really like they very much be my thing so yeah they're great films the original film is brilliant and this is a wonderful follow up to it as well I really really enjoyed it I'm sure many of you out there of a certain age will have at least will have seen the original Top Gun movie but this comes back and follows Maverick played by Tom Cruise who starts out as a sort of test pilot Maverick being Maverick he pushes things slightly too far and ends up getting recorded back to the Top Gun Academy where he is now an instructor whereas in the first film he was one of the people vying for Top Gun at the Academy basically. He's been brought back to Top Gun to train a bunch of graduates from the school for a very specific mission and that's what we sort of follow. One of the key characters that is back there is played by Miles Teller. It's a character called Rooster and it is the son of one of the characters out of the original film. I won't 
give anything other than that away because I don't want to spoil the first movie because you haven't seen it yet. But it is the son of one of the original mm-hmm. characters. It's got Jennifer Connelly in it as well, who plays a character called Penny, who interestingly isn't actually in the first film, but her name is mentioned. I think in a sort of the other guys are ribbing him about this girl that he's been dating and she's called Penny. And that's the only kind of reference to her in the first film. So you never see her on screen. So she's not actually, although technically the character hasn't been mentioned before, she's never, yeah, wasn't like the love interest in the first film or anything. You've got another crew of uh, various recruits. You've got John Hamm in there playing Cyclone, who is the commander of Naval Air Forces and is the essentially Maverick's boss. And uh, Ed Harris pops up as well, who is even higher sort of boss. Very, very solidly put together. I mean, the whole point of the Top Gun School is that it's supposed to train the best of the best pilots in the world. And one of the specifics is that they train them to do is dogfighting, which is sort of a lost art because a lot of stuff is done from like, you know, 30,000 feet, drop a bomb go home rather than like actual dogfighting in planes the story i think is is a really kind of interesting one it shows an interesting mission and rather than maverick just coming back as a instructor and training a bunch of new recruits I like the idea that they went for, no, he's coming back because they need him to train them for a very specific mission. And that's why they've got him there. Lots of interesting fun callbacks to the first film. If you like the first movie, I think you will like this as it's a solid sequel to that original film. So definitely gets the thumbs up from me. I I really enjoyed it and um, think it is certainly worth going to watch. Those are two films you should definitely go to. I mean, do one on your classic reviews maybe. and Yeah, the original would fit with that. Yeah, yeah do, do the original on your classic reviews and then go and uh, watch the second one. Star Trek Lower Decks came back for its third season. Good, solid opener for that. Very fun. I'm very intrigued to see what this crossover is. They're going to do with Strange New Worlds, which is a really interesting idea. But So there's that coming up at some point as well. But really like the opening episode of this. It's a continuation from where we left things at the end of season two as well. So it has got a bit of an ongoing story going on with that. C returned for its third and final season. I thought that was a good opener. Have you caught this? Yeah, I thought it was a good opening episode. Slightly too long. Sometimes if you come back for your opening episode, it's nice to try to like settle back in and stuff. But I thought it was a good opening. There's some complicated things going on with like the politics and sort of what's going on with the sighted people. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was pretty good. Again, I really like the way that the action is done in the show with the whole, you know, hearing aspect and everything like that. So mm. uh, always been kind of my favorite thing about the show is the way that's done and people like listening for different movement and stuff like that. I very much enjoyed the opening episode, yeah. Yeah, this continues the stuff that we found at the end of of season two. And again, don't want to give too much away, but they discover a new weapon that is going to cause problems, I think, this season. And uh, I'm very interested to see where they end up in this. There's some interesting people that turn up. David Hewlett, who people might know from Stargate, he was a guest in season two. He is one of the main roles in season three. He's sort of a chief science officer of the um, Trevantum and part of sort of the development of this new weapon. I really like him and I think he's really good. I didn't realise but Joe Flanagan, who was also on Stargate Atlantis, popped up in the second season. I completely missed that, I think. I don't remember that at all. But uh, yeah, so somebody over at um, C appears to be a fan of Stargate <laughs> for the Settlement, <laughs> which is no bad thing. It was a great show. Tom Misson is back as well as Lord Harlan. You will know from Sleepy Hollow was great. 
got a really good cast. It's nicely put together. The guy that is showrunning it, because it was um, Stephen Knight who was the, the creator of it. The guy that's the showrunner of it from season two and season three is Jonathan Tropper, who did Banshee, which was a great show, and also does Warrior, which is a wonderfully violent martial arts series. If you've uh, not seen that, I think it runs a sky over here. He was a great person to take over the lead, and he certainly upped the action in the second season as well. And I, I suspect that's going to move forward in the third season. I, I am very interested to see where they end this, because obviously it's this thing about everybody's blind, but there are sighted people, and now they're in a position where you've got factions that are supporting the sighted people and factions that aren't, so that's become a sort of whole thing. So... um yeah, I, I'm very interested to see where they bring that to a close. It's also the final season, isn't it? Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. So they and it was planned as a final season, so we'll see where they wrap things up. Yeah. The capture returned for its second season on BBC, which I was very much looking forward to because I very much enjoyed the first season of that. This was the show which stars um, Holiday Granger in the leading role of a police officer who he sort of roped into this case, which seems to have had a lot of the digital footage altered in some way and she then goes to discover that there is a larger government conspiracy going on there is this secret layer of technology around the world which all governments seem to have access to but nobody seems to kind of be talking about it because if one calls the other out for manipulating stuff then that exposes the fact that everybody is using this technology and it means that it then becomes useless to everybody because nobody can trust anything that they see. The second season begins with a really blatant use of the technology during a live broadcast, and they didn't think that was possible. Essentially, it's this sort of deep fake technology, and I mean, I'm sure you've seen deep fake videos where they replace faces on people and stuff. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing about this is there's this really blatant use of, of this sort of deep fake technology, and they know that it's been done, but do they then tell the wider public that it has happened because the problem is then it exposes the fact that this technology exists and the general public will then mistrust everything that they see. So it, it's a really interesting conundrum that it places for the second season. Paparasadu plays a key role in the second season as an MP. Uh, that's one of the, the leading parts. Inara Verma is also in there, who you'll know from things like Game of Thrones, uh, Carnival Row she was in, Luther, she's been in a whole bunch of other things, so she's great. He's got Ron Perlman in there as well, who sort of pops up as the shady CIA section chief as well. So uh, good cast and well worth going to watch. It's actually got two episodes up, I think, on iPlayer right now, so you can go and watch those. I think there are six episodes in the entire season. The other two are dropping on the 4th of September, and then the final two drop on the 11th of September, so they're going out in pairs. But the first two episodes are up on iPlayer and on catch-up and stuff, if you want to go and check those out, and that's the capture. Onto things you have been watching, House of the Dragon, which we, I mentioned I watched about half of the first episode last week, so we didn't want to do a full review of it. Now I've seen the whole thing, and you've seen it. What did you think? I haven't seen the second episode yet, but um, I thought the pilot got off to a very good start. Mm -hmm. um, it was just that kind of thing where 
first sort of 10, 20 minutes, you're settling into like, okay, who who are these people? How are they related to each other? Who's got what? Who's on the throne? And, you know, all those kind of questions. Yes. They kind of nicely set out like who's kind of in what role and who's sort of, because you've got like Matt Smith's character and he's sort of, you know, doing his thing. And then you've got kind of a young Daenerys-ish type of character. And then you've got this like other bad incident that happens. I mean, saying bad incident in a Game of Thrones show is, is, a, is a pretty normal thing. But um, yeah, that theme with the, the mother and everything, mm-hmm. which was uh, quite bad, but um, was, you know, supposed to be effective and everything. So um, that was some good stuff. But um, no, I, I think that they did a good job in the pilot of laying the groundwork, setting up a few little things as well. Like there's some things going on with one of the kings. There's like a, an injury going on. So that was good. Uh, it was great to see some dragons back. It was great to be back in this world as well. As, as I mentioned before, with uh, Game of Thrones, obviously some people didn't like the last couple of seasons. I still did. Regardless of like the story and stuff, it was just good to be back in this world and good to be back with Game of Thrones. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a solid pilot episode. And I'm looking forward to seeing where the things that got set up as well, where they go going forward. Yeah, I really enjoyed that opening episode. There is a lot of sort of who's this person, who's that person, how are they yeah. related, all, all that sort of stuff. But I mean, it's the same with anything when you're setting this kind of stuff up. Interesting sort of introduction of the gold cloaks, I think, in that opening episode where Damon Targaryen played by Matt Smith is the person that effectively set up the uh, gold cloaks which is the people that are supposed to be there protecting King's Landing although things go a bit south with that you've got mm. Reese Evans in there as uh, Otto Hightower who's the hand of the King Paddy Constantine playing King Viserys himself as well who uh, I strongly suspect won't make it till the end of the season uh, <laughs> you've got Emma Darcy in there who playing Rhaenyra Targaryen who is the firstborn child of Viserys but there is a whole thing going on throughout that opening episode of the sort of sexism I guess in the world of the fact that you know if yeah, there is a yeah. male heir there's only ever been like male heirs and they won't let the females inherit the throne and that is one of the big kind of controversial things of the opening episode really interesting mix of characters you've got going on I have just started watching a bit of the second episode again I'm you know we're recording this on the Monday so I haven't managed to finish the whole of that I watched the rest of it later tonight but the opening episode i thought was handled really really well and it was a good solid start the numbers for it were through the roof on both sides of the atlantic i think it was the biggest launch of anything on sky atlantic over here and i think it broke hbo max in the US <laughs> as well so uh yeah i mean it it's been like a huge huge hit for them so um not that there should be any great surprise i know everybody said oh, i'm not watching it not after the end of the game of course they all watched it i mean you know everybody went and watched it they were going to i think they laid out the groundwork and the characters pretty well in that opening episode what i am surprised by in the uk is game of thrones always used to have an after show which sue perkins used to host and they did one before the opening episode went out of sort of, you know, what are we expecting? Who do you think is going to survive? All that sort of stuff. And I thought they'd do that as a weekly thing, you know, a sort of after show like they did last time. And they've opted not to do it for some reason. I don't know why that is, because it was quite hmm. useful for sort of digging through the history and that sort of stuff. I guess you can get a lot of that stuff on YouTube anyway. So maybe they decided it's not really needed too much effort to do, but it's a shame they decided not to invest in that. Uh, the second episode 
episode has the return of the opening title sequence as well, which is floating around online. You can find that. They released that before the episode. It is a similar sort of title sequence to the last one, and they've kept the theme music as well, which, you know, slightly lazy, but why not? I mean, it's an iconic piece of theme music. I mean, it's brilliant. But uh, yeah, so that's that's all back. It makes it feel very Games of Thronesy that as well. The last thing I watched this week, I watched a football thing, Matt. <laughs> mm. I watched Welcome to Wrexham, which has got two episodes up on Disney Plus in the UK. And for those of you that aren't aware of Welcome to Wrexham, it follows Ryan Reynolds and Rob McKellany, who are both American actors, obviously Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, Rob McKellany, you will know from things like It's Always Sunny and Mythic Quest. And they bought the football team Wrexham AFC. That was all over the news. So I, you know, not really giving anything away. I don't think about that. But this is genuine. It's not sort of some mockumentary or made up. They genuinely went out and bought Wrexham Football Club. And the idea was that they were going to buy it and they want to try and get it back into the main English Football League. Because there's, there's what the Premier League Championship, uh, Division 1, Division 2. And then there is one professional league, which is sort of below that. And that is the league that Wrexham currently sat in. And Wrexham were, at one point, a really quite successful club. And then 80s happened. It was a mining town. The mine shut down. Money started to fall away. And they ended up going through a successive bunch of money-grabbing owners. And the club itself is now managed by the fans in terms of the fans have to vote who they want to take over as owners and stuff. So it is very fan-controlled, which I thought was kind of interesting. And it's just a really fascinating story. And I love an underdog story, and this is very much an underdog story. So I've sort of avoided looking too much about how they're doing right now, because I kind of don't want to be spoiled for the rest of the uh, the thing. I, d- I want to just watch the documentary without really knowing too much about where the team are and how they're doing and that sort of stuff. Rob and Ryan are incredibly watchable. I love them both as actors and they seem extremely genuine about this. I mean, that's what's the lovely thing is. I mean, Rob talks about being a fan of uh, one of the Philadelphia sports teams and how Philadelphia is a very working class place and how the city rises and you feel this sort of lightness to it whenever one of their sports teams win. So he knows that kind of feeling of what local sports teams mean to the local city. And that was part of his intention by going with this was to try and bring some of that feeling back to Wrexham. And they, they are genuine and they do genuinely want to actually get them out of this league and back up into Division 2. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah, I watched both of the episodes. I really, really enjoyed this. I was like quite glued to it and I was quite fascinated by it. So it was interesting for me. Obviously, I follow Man United and watch the games and review them and all that. But what was interesting to me was like the different scale, obviously, like Man United, uh, Premier League in the big leagues and everything, trying to be in Europe and all that type of stuff. And then there's this little team, Wrexham, who are trying to just kind of scrape by with stuff. And they explained about like the wages and the, the massive, massive difference there. The interesting thing for me is as well, like, because they, they showed, I think in the first episode, like there's this separation of two different sort of sets of leagues almost. Yeah. To be honest, the other leagues that they showed in that sort of separated graph, some of them I'd never heard of or re- really knew anything about. So right. like, I, I think they were supposed to be in that, which was really interesting. Because one of the interesting things as well, I think from the Premier League to League Two, some of those leagues are bigger as yeah. well. Because you've got, I think one of the leagues has got like 40 something teams or, or something like that. But the reason they can do that is because you don't have Europe for those teams. 
you've got more time. Obviously, you can only fit two games in a week, so you've got all that kind of going on. But they can, once you get to, I think it's League Two, you can compete in the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup, which is where right. you can play any of the other teams. It's interesting to, to see all that. And I feel like they did a really good job of literally showing and explaining the very big range of emotions you can feel yes. while you're while you're watching a team. And obviously, you know, you, you see them as uh, the owners and stuff and they're starting to watch the games. and They're trying to understand it. A little bit of a Ted Lasso sort of aspect there, but not quite in the same comedy sense as well, because they're trying to understand this yeah. game and everything. That feeling of like it's 1-1 and like there's there's added time. And I mean, because in football, you can score a goal in five to 10 seconds. So yeah. even if you, even if you've got like five minutes of added time, and it's 94 minutes. You're like, you know, you just got to get that ball up the pitch. But the difference between, I suppose, sort of that sort of, you know, you've won the game and you're completely on top of the world to sort of you've either drawn or lost a game. Yeah. And you feel just devastated about it. And they did a good job of showing that. And as you said, I think Ryan and Rob, Ryan Reynolds yeah. and Rob is the other guy, the way that they genuinely came across and everything and they did the voting stuff which was which was quite nice to see because yes from a Man United fans perspective you do not want bad owners uh, yes. of course we're owned by the Glazers which are the, the worst of the bunch by far just to say they're not very nice people and they don't really yes, care a lot about a lot about things yes. um which has been like 17 years so yeah you, you want owners that care and owners that will actually put money back into the football club as well which is yeah. what the Glazers have never actually done before mm-hmm. so um I, I really enjoyed this and seeing like one thing that's interesting to me about these types of football documentaries and stuff is seeing the dressing room stuff when a player gets sent off, for example, and they're really, you know, annoyed and because you don't really see that stuff on the TV because yeah. you don't really know what goes on in the dressing room. And I really enjoyed this. I'm looking forward to seeing Thursdays at these episodes. Yes, come I out. think so. Yeah. It's an yeah. FX series in the US and it's it's going out over there and then it's coming out here as well on uh, Disney+. Plus. It's them sort of desperately trying to get out. It's the National League, is, I've just checked, which is the league below League 2 and the National League is the lowest tier of professional football but I mean you know mm-hmm. you're talking about two and a half million for a premiership player on an average salary compared to a National League player who's making about 40 grand a year you know so I mm. mean not an unreasonable wage I mean it's a perfectly livable wage but oh, yeah. even yeah. so it's yeah it's not like driving Lamborghini's money is it really you do feel so much for the the fans and... It, oh, you're rooting for them to succeed. Yeah, you really episodes, are yeah. rooting for Wrexham to do well in this. I mean, it, it shows that emotion. Talking about explaining stuff, I, one of the hilarious things is when one of the British people says something like uh, sacked, I think was one, you know, he's talking about managers should be sacked. And then it, it quickly pops up a graph that goes English, sacked, American, fired, and then puts the Welsh underneath it as well. They <laughs> really made me laugh every time they're having to explain something to Americans and the fact that they'd subtitled some of the English because the accents were a little bit stronger and they were worried the American audience might not catch what they were saying I thought that was really funny as well yeah did make me laugh but yeah Mm. it's a really interesting and heartfelt documentary and it does really make you feel for Wrexham and want them to succeed in this so I hope it's a really positive thing for them and I hope they do well and I mean Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how they've started this season but because uh, they bought the club I think at the start of the year didn't they I think it said because they were coming out of the pandemic and that whole thing by the way of like playing through the emptied stadiums is very eerie yeah um, I remember watching like May United do that and you know you'd watch the highlight videos and you can hear like the ball being kicked it was really eerie and strange but the yeah. games had to be played well yeah and of course for a club like Rexon that was completely devastating because of the fact that they right. don't have TV sales, money yeah. 
yeah, they, they entirely rely on ticket sales. They don't have TV money. So, you know, that's a huge, huge issue for them. So I really like that. And, you know, I'm not the biggest football fan, but I like the guys. And that was the thing that sort of drew me to watch it. But I very much got sucked into it. And I will be watching that weekly because I think it's really interesting and uh, fun viewing and very heartfelt viewing as well. Just, mm-hmm. just very much worth watching. One thing that made me chuckle a little bit, you know, when they had the scenes outside when they're getting food and like, oh, this player's rubbish and he can't run. I was like, yes, I'm familiar with those conversations. Yes. That was, uh, that was quite interesting. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, very much so. Yes, it's all, all the all the football fans complaining about certain players and, you know, the manager and yeah, just really good. So definitely be watching that weekly. But that is, I think, like you say, going out Thursdays on Disney Plus and it's called Welcome to Wrexham if you want to go and find that. That's all the stuff we've been doing over the past week or so. Let's go on to some TV and film news. <laughs> 
they're okay with it being shot to other networks. So you could end up in the bizarre position where Batman, one of the crown jewels of DC, has an animated series which isn't on HBO Max and he's on probably not Hulu or Disney, but it could go out on Fox because Fox actually were the people that had the original animated series because it was the 90s and they didn't care quite so much about where the IP ended up. Or it could go to Netflix or somewhere like that. I mean, it just seems like a very strange decision to me. Yeah, this this doesn't make any sense at all. I did a one of my DC Talk episodes, which I guess I'm doing semi-regularly now because there's so much news that comes out about DC. Uh, for some reason, I completely forgot to mention this, uh, even though I did a Batman section, so I guess I can give my thoughts here. One of the things I talked about and one of the things they mentioned uh, was about delaying a couple of the films out of this year because they've only got money to release two more films this year. Right. So apparently they're in a bit of money troubles, which are don't know how you end up with that but anyway and I was kind of saying about how you can maybe get around some of that stuff and I was looking at Warner Brothers itself and saying okay if you're Warner Brothers and you've got money problems one of the good things you've got going for you is you've got a lot of great IP you've got things like Game of Thrones which is you know still doing incredibly well you've got DC as a label you've still got Harry Potter you've still got so many other things and arguably the three biggest things is probably Wonder Woman Batman Superman because that's just full of money those three characters Mm -hmm. even that's not even including the whole Justice League but your Trinity I mean you've got access to some of the biggest characters in the world there Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman who should be making you lots and lots of money so to take a series like this that like you pointed out has got a lot of good things going for it you know people behind it and what it's based on and it's Batman you know (laughs) when you say Batman and you're an executive you probably think of money so to choose to not air this is yeah really just bizarre if you've got money issues and you want to like drive up subscribers and plus you get maybe a bit of nostalgia in there people that love the old series or if you want to bring in new people you can do both those things but the fact that this could end up on like netflix or somewhere is really really strange what's Uh, interesting though with what you say that is if they have got money issues in actual fact that slightly lends itself to what they've actually done because as you say you could put it on hbo max and it might help drive up subscribers but i I guess something like this since the Batman animated series is probably not going to add that many subscribers to HBO Max however you might get a reasonable amount of cash for it selling it to somebody else so if they are having money troubles that does kind of make sense I guess because potentially it could be a very successful series and they would get paid directly for it. Whereas if it was on HBO Max, they're forking out for it and then they're hoping to make it back in subscribers. So there is a direct cash injection that you will get from going here or you buy this series to Netflix, to Fox, whoever it is, and you would get paid for that. In that context, possibly a reason for it. Right. But The other problem there is you're also giving your competition your content. Exactly. Yeah, there is that. I mean, that's why I'm thinking a channel like Fox running it might make more sense rather than it going to a competing streaming service. That would make more sense to sell it to a network and Fox would be the obvious one because they had the original one and they like their adult animated stuff. And whilst this wouldn't be adult adult, I mean, it's, you know, it's not like Rick and Morty. It's it's going <laughs> to no. be, you know, it, it's not going to be that sort of adult. It's more kind of family viewing, I would suspect. But even so, I mean, it's something that would draw eyes. So if you could sell it to somebody like Fox, it might make them more money than it would if they just put it on HBO Max so but it is still giving away one of your key IPs Mm. so it's 
it, it's bizarre. But the whole Batman handling at the moment is all very weird and up in the air because they've moved Aquaman to after the Flash now in terms of the movies, haven't they? And we know that they removed Michael Keaton from the Aquaman movie and replaced him with Ben Affleck. So that seems to point to the fact that Michael Keaton's Batman return, which they were planning on sort of expanding over a number of movies, it looks like he's going to be a one-off for the Flash film because the other thing he was in with Batgirl, which of course we know got cancelled, it looks like that's going to be a one-off for the Flash film and that's going to be it for him and then they're going to do something else. So It's amazing to me that they got Michael Keaton to come back and they thought, okay, Flash, Batgirl and Aquaman, which is not a bad idea. But even be, even before all of that even happened, for the longest time, the discussion was like, oh, you, can we do a live action Batman Beyond? That still was not even something that's yeah. been your option to bring him back for three films and not one of them is that, mm-hmm. which people have been wanting for a long, long, long time. Obviously, you're mm-hmm. going back to 89, which was when Michael first played Batman. So obviously, then it would make sense to cast a Terry McGuinness and do that story the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah. As as much as it could work to have like, oh, he's mentoring the Flash or he's mentoring because he's very much the more retired mentor Batman figure as opposed to Robert or Ben, who are two other different versions. That's what is also funny to me about that Aquaman specific story is if you've got Jason's Aquaman talking to an older Batman that he hasn't seen before, Mm -hmm. as opposed to swapping him out for Ben's Batman, who he has seen before, whether you want to talk about Zack's or Joss's version of Justice League, they've spent time together and they've had history together. So you'd have to write that completely differently. Mm -hmm. So how are you sort of arranging that? Which just to be on the more positive side, that when when the news came out, they're like, oh, Ben's Batman's going to be in Aquaman. I was like, cool, I want to see more of Ben's Batman. That'd be good. Like, we don't know what the future will hold for him, but him being in films is is a good thing. It's just curious to to know about like, okay, the the writing for that, how you'd write those two characters yeah we'll see what they do yes so as continues to be a mess over at dc warner brothers discovery but we'll see where that goes and uh, i mean i hope they find a home for batman great crusader anyway because i love the original animated series so hopefully they'll find somewhere Mm -hmm. for that on to the renewals. House of the Dragon has predictably been renewed for a second season. As I say, it broke records all over the place for its launch episode. So uh, HBO have renewed that for season two, which I, I don't think is a surprise. And obviously going out on Sky over here. Kirby Enthusiasm also renewed for a 12th season by HBO. So that will be coming back. That's Sky again here. Channel 4 have renewed the crime comedy caper The Curse for a second season. I quite enjoyed the first season of that. It was a a fun sort of 80s set crime caper where it was a bunch of bungling thieves and they accidentally end up stealing a load of gold by happening to stumble across it in the middle of a robbery. Hmm. That that was really, really good. Uh, I think it's up on all four if you want to go and check out The Curse, but that was really fun and well worth going to watch. So uh, I'm glad they're coming back for a second season of that. For the kids out there, Danger Force, has landed a season three renewal that's on Nickelodeon in the US it's Paramount Plus over here you can find that Um, Villains of Valley View also renewed for a second season that's a Disney Channel series and Disney Plus over here Brassic renewed for a fifth season before the season four even premieres because that's coming back very soon. And uh, I, again, I don't think that's a huge shock. That's been a massive hit for Sky. And The Umbrella Academy renewed for a fourth and final season by Netflix. This isn't one of Netflix going, oh, we're going to cancel it. Apparently the creator had planned four seasons. So that's good. he had an arc for it. And it is one of those shows where they are jumping from disaster to disaster. And it left things in a very interesting place. So I am quite looking 
looking forward to that coming back because I think what they did with that third season could be quite interesting moving into the fourth where they ended everything so uh, that was a planned end of a four season arc so I'm I'm glad that's been renewed yeah I sort of finished the third season and thought okay this has probably got one more in it yeah because like I said how many times can you do the whole world's ending save it world's ending save it kind of thing yeah, yeah it is um, so good to know that's going to get finished off properly yes in pickups and other news the Grand Tour technically it's the start of season five but seeing as they're just doing specials at this point the seasons have become a bit irrelevant but uh, the Grand Tour a Scandi flick is premiering on the 16th of September on Prime Video and uh, as you can probably guess by the title that's them driving around Scandinavia so they will be back Manifest season four part one has got a premiere date as well that's coming Friday the 4th of November to Netflix because if you remember it was cancelled after three seasons it was running on Sky and NBC they cancelled it Netflix rescued it for a 20 episode final season so it's going to be split into two parts of 10 episodes so that's season four part one on the 4th of November from Manifest I really enjoyed that show and I'm glad I think he originally had a six season arc and they're now doing it in four kind of five seasons because it is sort of you know 20 episodes and that's 20 is a lot of episodes yeah Yeah. so uh, hopefully (laughs) he's managed to compress his story down into 20 episodes but you know hopefully he manages to pull that off and I'm glad it's at least getting an ending how many episodes were the old seasons first season was 16 next two seasons were 13 so they've only lost a couple of episodes or three episodes really from what they were regularly running on normal things so it is in essence five seasons in total so they've only really lost one full season from what he originally had planned so you can probably nudge that around a little bit to be able to get that it's not quite as bad as it might have been you know and Mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to that coming back because i thought it was a fun show and it really ended on a whole bunch of different cliffhangers on the third season so great to have that coming back Netflix also have a Robbie Williams docuseries as well, which if there's any Robbie Take That fans out there, which I'm sure there are quite a lot, that is going to be coming at some point. It's not one of these sort of things about Robbie. It is something which he's cooperating in. He's very much involved in. It's people follow him around. So it's going to be a sort of tell-all kind of documentary and about him having sort of started out at 16 in Take That and then forward to all the trials and tribulations of going through the group and breakups and reunions and all that sort of stuff so uh, that I think could be quite interesting it's been directed by Joe Perlman who did the Bross After the Screaming Stops documentary as well that was really good that was a really interesting behind the scenes sort of what's and all thing so I think if you're a Robbie fan that will be one to look out for over on the boys we've got some casting news Jeffrey Dean Morgan is joining season four nice. don't know exactly what he's doing but if there was any actor that you thought would be a perfect fit for the boys I think it's Jeffrey Dean Morgan yeah, just, just put him in anyway just make up a character and just put him in it'll be fine yeah (laughs) this wouldn't be the first time that the creator of the boys and Jeffrey Dean Morgan have worked together because the creator of the boys is Eric Kripke and he was the person that cast him in Supernatural as the two lads father so they've worked together before they've been talking since I think the end of the second season they've been talking about trying to find a way to get him in but obviously Jeffrey was on Walking Dead and they have managed to finally get something sorted. We don't know how much he's going to be in that season because, of course, Jeffrey is still busy with The Walking Dead universe because he's doing a spin-off with Lauren Cohen, which was called Isle of the Dead, but they've changed the name to 
The Walking Dead Dead City they announced this week. So Isle of the Dead is no longer. It's now called The Walking Dead Dead City, that spin-off. Why? I don't know. Whether I, I prefer think the other name. So do I kind of, but I, I do wonder whether it's to separate it from things like Day of the Dead. So it doesn't sound quite so Ramiro-y. Doesn't sound like it's connected to that other zombie franchise, you know? Mm. I guess that's why they've done it. But yeah, I think it was a stronger... I think if you'd gone The Walking Dead, Isle of the Dead, or maybe that doesn't flow as well. I don't know. But Walking Dead Dead City is going to be what it's called. And that's the uh, spin-off where they go to end up wandering around Manhattan. We still don't really know how or why, but yes. uh, we've got eight episodes to figure that out. So yeah, I'm looking forward to both these things anyway, uh, just on the Jeffrey Dean Morgan front. Uh, you know, seeing more of him is, is a good thing, of course. But yeah, him fitting into, you can just kind of see that working before you've even seen any of it, like any screenshots or any footage or anything. Yeah. Like so somebody saying he's going to be in The Boys because we had, of course, like, you know, Jensen Eccles, who's a good addition, the Soldier Boy. That was that was great last season. Probably one of the highlights of the season, seeing mm. um, that character. So yeah, if he's gonna like be fighting some of the characters, if he fights Homelander at some point mm-hmm. or something like that, that'll be quite good. See uh, Anthony Starr and him fighting each other on screen, be good. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's one that very much makes sense. Did you say we don't know which character he's playing yet? No, they haven't said who he's playing. I do find it quite fun that they have turned the boys into a bit of a supernatural reunion because you've got Jensen Eccles <laughs> in there, you've got Jeffrey Dean Morgan now, and Jim Beaver is still in there as Robert Dakota Bob Singer. And if you're wondering about the name of Robert Dakota Bob Singer, they did actually change the name of the character from what it was in the books because it's a tribute to Bobby Singer, who's the character that he used to play in Supernatural. But uh, you've got a bit of a sort of Supernatural reunion going on there, which is quite fun. Hmm. Yeah. Who's the other one? Jared Padalecki? Yeah, they haven't managed to rope Jared in as anybody yet, but Jared's uh, quite busy on Walker, Walker, isn't he? Yeah, so, you know, I love seeing Jensen. I think Jensen was a great fit for Soldier Boy. And um, yeah, 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 brilliant. It would be funny to see Jared just pop up in some sort of capacity (laughs) just so maybe Jensen kills him or something. That would be quite funny. The Walking Dead name is the Walking Dead name is still just, I prefer the other one. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. But, you know, it is what it is. It's fine. As long as the show's okay, I don't really. As long as it airs somewhere. And as long as it airs somewhere, because Tales of the Walking Dead is going out in the UA, in the US right now. And, um, we can't see it anywhere here, which is rather annoying. Yeah, it's not on the Microsoft Store, it's not on Amazon, it's not on anything. No, so. no, it's not available to buy anywhere and they've not put it on AMC UK either, which is really frustrating. The other last bit of news in the uh, other news section, BBC have confirmed that the Gladiators revival that we were talking about a few weeks ago has been picked up, is going to series. It will shoot in Sheffield Arena next year and will air some point in later 2023, they have confirmed. Is Gladiators kind of before your time? I mean, I'm sure you must be aware of it as a TV oh, yeah, show. Yeah, but... yeah, I'm aware of it. Uh, I, I saw some of the old one, I think, when I was younger and stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with it. This revival, it's leaning on nostalgia, which isn't a bad thing, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of that at the moment. Yeah, so, no, sure. me neither. See. <laughs> Interestingly as well, Jet, who was one of the original gladiators, was at Wrexham Comic Con as well, signing, and I had was quite popular as, as well. So uh, hmm. yes, that was kind of a weird coincidence that uh, she happened to be there a couple of weeks ago. Somebody did suggest bring Jet back as uh, one of the presenters, which I I think that's a great idea, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see where they go with it, but um, don't know who's presenting it we don't know anything about the gladiators it is going to be filming next year in sheffield i'm sure there will be application things around if you're interested in like going to compete in that 
Moving on to other news stories, The Good Doctor is getting a spin-off, or potentially getting a spin-off. They've placed a backdoor pilot, which is when they stick a pilot episode, like they did with The Rookie Feds. They stick a pilot episode within the run of the normal show. The spin-off is called The Good Lawyer, and it comes from David Shaw and Liz Freeman, who are the EPs on the main series. It centres on Joni, a 20-something woman who battles OCD but is a brilliant lawyer. The pilot episode is going to be slotted into the season six run of The Good Doctor, and would see Joni as the defence attorney for Sean, Freddie Highmore's character, who finds himself in legal trouble. So that's the essential setup for it. It is a lawyer dealing with OCD, but he's also brilliant. So it's sort of a taking the similar premise of The Good Doctor, although The Good Doctor deals with autism rather than OCD. But I'm very much behind on The Good Doctor right now. I do like it as a TV show. I think it's quite a good, solid procedural, and it's slightly different and interesting. I don't know whether this will work or not. It's been done for ABC in the US so we'll see whether it makes it to series but uh, it's been done as a backdoor pilot is that a procedural you've been watching? No I don't really watch the uh, medical shows I know my mum does but I've not actually seen or noticed her or heard her talk about this show for a long time I, I think at one point she sort of forgot where she was with the show because she hadn't watched it in a while and I- I'd heard some other people sort of saying like after a few seasons it's around about like season three four-ish people have kind of dropped off a little bit mm-hmm. so um, surprises me a little bit that, I mean I don't know what numbers this is doing I'm just talking about its general feedback that I've seen but some people seem to have kind of dropped off of it a little bit so it, yeah. it getting a uh, spin-off is interesting we'll see I guess how that works it'd be interesting to see with this see how it goes there are a lot mm-hmm. of procedural things around at the moment uh, people were joking about what's next after this the good barber yeah, <laughs> yeah there's been a lot of the good this and that and, and whatever else best one probably being the good place yes that's true what the ones the, the good wife as well yes the good wife um, the good fight as well <laughs> Which yeah. is the spin-off. So the, yes, there are. This would be interesting because there's now two the good something franchises running. Because you've got the good fight, the good wife, which is one set, and then you've got the good doctor. Right, because those aren't connected. Are yeah, because they? they're so. not connected in any way. Those. Moving on, Catherine Tate has a new comedy commissioned by the BBC, being shot in Australia. Though this one, um, it's an interesting, quite funny premise. Tate will star as Princess Georgina, the black sheep of a fictional British royal family. She's a PR disaster. She spent her spoilt party girl life plastered all over the tabloids on the back of her latest scandal her father the king makes the unprecedented move of abdicating his australian throne in favor of his daughter it is hoped that giving her some real responsibility will finally be the making of her and if it isn't at least he shipped her off of ten thousand miles away from london accompanied by her useless entourage queen georginia of australia goes kicking and screaming to a country she has zero interest in beyond the hemsworth brothers so that is the premise for it it's based on an original idea by Catherine Tate and board your daughter and uh, it's been produced in association with ABC Australia I think this sounds like the perfect sort of stupid silly vehicle for uh, for Catherine Tate to do I think she could probably pull this off as being fun I don't know when it's going to land over here probably next year sometime I imagine that's Queen of Oz fan of Catherine Tate? No, she's not somebody I've really sort of gravitated towards. She had that like prison show, which I, I didn't really play yeah, I didn't see attention that to. I've seen her in, in, like outside of her acting and projects she's involved, I've seen her in interviews and stuff where she seems like a nice person. So not my comments about her as a person, it's just the things that she does in terms of the, the shows. It's just not quite my cup of tea. Yes, I've had two interesting experiences with Catherine Tate. One was an interview when we were at MCM 
and she didn't want it recorded in any way and it was a press room interview and she came and spoke to us for like 15-20 minutes but we weren't allowed to record anything and it's not like we're going to sit there and take notes in this day and age so it was like well that was lovely to chat with Catherine Tate but we're not going to post anything about it because we don't have any footage either audio or video of it so that was a little weird but then she was on stage at Wales Comic Con and usually with Wales Comic Con you'll have a presenter come up they'll ask some questions with Catherine she basically went up on stage and did half an hour of stand-up taking questions from the audience and was absolutely brilliant and hilarious it was we actually the video for that is on our YouTube channel and it's really really funny and she sort of talks about working on Doctor Who and how she still doesn't really understand anything about it and uh, how she can't answer fine questions about it but she was just brilliant, really funny, really fun. So it's been the sort of interesting ride with uh, Catherine Tate, but uh, I think this sounds perfect for her. So we'll see when it lands, but it's an interesting one. And it's nice to have her back on the BBC anyway. Over on Netflix, they're getting into their game adaptation again, having just failed with uh, Resident Evil. They've got two more coming up fairly soon. The first one actually comes from Steve Blackman, who is the person behind the Umbrella Academy. So although the Umbrella Academy is ending, he signed up for a contract which is to produce a couple more things for them. One of them is Horizon Zero Dawn, and if you don't know that game, it's an epic sci-fi adventure series set a thousand years in the future. It's a strange and beautiful world full of primitive tribes and high-tech machines built on the bones of the old ones, the ruins of our present-day United States. The disaster that destroys our world is long forgotten, but when these formerly peaceful machines mysteriously turn into dangerous hunters of all life, a young outcast named Alloy discovers the only chance to save her world is to fight to uncover what happened to ours. So Horizon Zero Dawn has sold over 20 million copies globally on the PlayStation and PC. I have never actually played the game, although it does sound quite good, but uh, reminds me very much of uh, C, which is the similar premise mm-hmm. in that yeah. you know it's a future version of Earth. And uh, Shinara Chronicles was the other one that does this, I think it went for two seasons, and that had a similar idea of it's sort of a, a future world built on the bones of the old world. I like that sort of setup for it, though, and I can see it working as a tv show as an ongoing tv show that seems to track have you played the horizon zero dawn games because yeah i've played both of them the one that came out this year as well forbidden west um i can see this working quite well for tv i can see a bit of a sort of there's like a jurassic park or world sort of element to it because you've got dinosaurs walking around they're just robot versions of dinosaurs Mm -hmm. so you can have that kind of epic scale thing to it which could be quite entertaining the difference with this obviously you'd have a woman running around with a bow and arrow which is quite fun Uh, you'd see like some some get action stuff it's not just bows and arrows she's got a different equipment and like wires to pull the robots down and so that could create for some really good scale action and stuff and Mm. climbs around and jumps about so um you, you got some good chance for some cinematic storytelling as well so could be quite good and in the background kind of stuff as well you've got all the the sci-fi deep lore story elements so uh, that's where your your intricate writing is going to come into it but um as long as netflix does a good job with this and whoever they pick to play ailo is a good choice uh because we don't know who she's going to yes. be yet that could be could be quite good so i'm uh slightly cautiously optimistic in mm-hmm. in certain areas but the the idea of it could be very good it just depends on the execution because the, the only reason i'm a bit skeptical which 
it's possibly not a fair reason, but still possibly fair, is the Uncharted film should have just simply been more popcorn fun entertaining, and it was surprisingly boring, the Uncharted right. film. Yeah, which yeah. For, for an action film, which it should have been, it shouldn't have been as sort of boring as what it was, but I know this is a different project entirely. It's just that this is still off the Sony mm-hmm. IP stuff, so... Yeah. Um, this this has potential to be very good, so we'll see how it goes. The thing that brings me confidence with this is the fact that it's Steve Blackman involved, and uh, as well uh-huh. as doing the Umbrella Academy, he did Altered Carbon, which I actually thought he did a decent job on as well. He's worked on Fargo and worked on Legion, which Legion was fine for the first season and then went off a bit, but very much depends on how much money Netflix are prepared to throw at this, because I think it's it needs money throwing at it. But uh, yeah. If, yeah, we'll see. That's where they could do a balancing their quality and quantity. Yes, very much so. Yeah. So instead of instead of throwing loads of money at ten other shows that you're never going to promote, no one's going to watch, save that money and put it onto Horizon. Yes, definitely. There is another project which he's picked up as well, which is a thriller event series. So it sounds like it's a one-off thing. It's called Orbital and it's set on the International Space Station. It's an original concept by David and Keith Lynch, who worked on there was that movie called Twist, which was a sort of modern day version of Oliver Twist, which I think went out on Sky over here. They're going to co-create the series with Steve Blackman, and they will be directing an episode as well. Don't know any more about it than that, but I think a sort of thriller set on the International Space Station is quite an interesting idea. And by the sounds of it, they're saying it's an event series, so it sounds like it's been designed as a one-off thing, which is good for Netflix because it means you're not going to worry about it getting cancelled or renewed. So yeah. um, that sounds like an interesting one. I think that could be quite good. Yeah, no risk of cancellation after three seasons, which is too much of a theme at the moment. Yeah. The idea sounds kind of interesting. Uh, again, it depends on budget and yeah, how they exactly. promote it and if they're telling anybody that it exists. Yes, exactly. Which is usually helpful, so... Some good stuff, some some good ideas here. The other project, which is back to video games, is a Bioshock film adaptation, also ordered by Netflix. It's from Francis Lawrence and Michael Green. Obviously inspired by the Bioshock games, Francis Lawrence is the director of the Hunger Games Catching Fire and I think some of the other Hunger Games films as well I Am Legend and Slumberland Michael Green wrote Logan Blade Runner 2049 and Death in the Nile so he's writing the screenplay so those are the people that are behind it Bioshock of course I mean presumably this will be based around the original Rapture game I'd have thought so yeah I mean that's the iconic thing with the big daddies and the little sisters and all that sort of stuff for those of you that don't know the Bioshock games it's essentially that in the game you play a character Jack who is the sole survivor of a plane crash ends up finding himself in this dystopian underwater city where it was supposed to be this utopia but obviously as happens things have gone horribly wrong and this civil war had broken out and had sort of torn the city apart and the citizens have been turned into these sort of mutated kind of monstrous versions of themselves and there's this voice that comes across the intercom system referring to himself as Atlas who attempts to help Jack getting back to the surface that's the basic setup for the original Bioshock game I'm wondering how they're going to change this because if you play through the Bioshock games you know the twist that's coming with that because there is a there is a huge twist in that game and it's brilliant when you first play through it the environment I think is an interesting one as well again it's going to need money throwing at it but yeah it is a film rather than it being a series so there's that and if this works 
potentially you could do a you know second and third one because they continue the games as well. So I don't know. We'll see. I think the people behind it are interesting. Mm. It depends how much they're prepared to throw at it. That's that's what it boils down to, I think. Yeah, for me with Bioshock, I've talked on my gaming tool podcast a few times about trying to get into them. I could just never, I, I never really liked the flow of the gameplay or mm. how the game actually played. It felt a little bit old to me a little bit yeah. sort of outdated which is odd because they got the collection on PS4 but then they weren't quite sort of remastered enough I felt like I felt, felt like somebody should get in there and like completely sort of you know refine the actual gameplay mechanics mm-hmm. but the, the helpful thing with that here is I wouldn't have to play it I could just watch it and enjoy the, it for the story and I hear that the story is very very good and stuff so may, yeah. maybe this will be the better way for me to experience that yeah, story possibly. so I won't have to play them I can just take it all in with, with everything and I can just enjoy the action instead of playing it so um, this might be an option that works better for me maybe yeah so. i'm pretty sure i've played all three of them i i certainly definitely played of the first and the third one i think by shock infinite i'm sure i must have played through the second one as well but i don't remember the story for that at all i like the environment i think it's it's very distinctive and interesting i think the people behind it sound interesting and the fact that it's a film rather than a trying to stretch it out into a series i think could work particularly with something like bioshock because it is sort of man trapped in worlds trying to escape, I think yeah. works as a sort of disaster movie kind of feel to it. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that could work. But again, we'll see. Don't know when that's going to land, but it has been ordered. So that's all the news we've got for this week. Now some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> So highlights for next week. We have Bull returning for its sixth and final season. That's coming to Sky Witness on the 31st of August at 10pm. That will be landing on there. Shameless USA, that is back on the 1st of September for its 11th and final season. Late Night MASH returns for its second season on Dave. Without Nish Kumar, it's got Rachel Paris taking over the leading role of the uh, host on that. And that's the 1st of September at 10pm on Dave for Late Night MASH. Bloods returns for the second half of season two that's on sky comedy that's on the first of september as well that's at 10 p.m the big show of course this week is the lord of the rings the rings of power that's landing second of september at 2 a.m that's going to be simulcast around the world essentially on amazon so they're hoping to try and get everyone to watch it at the same time this is going to be a massive show i'm fairly sure there's been very positive things i've seen from people who've seen previews of it 2 a.m on second of september on prime video then then you're going to have it next episodes will drop at 5am I think over here so uh, it's just 2am for this first one go and check that out that's on Prime Video 2nd of September and Rick and Morty also getting simulcast that is landing for season 6 on the 5th of September at 4am and that'll be on E4 um, so you can set your recorders for it at 4am or I think they're running it on Sundays as well at a sort of more reasonable time if you've not got something to record and you need to watch it live it will be mm-hmm. at a more reasonable time on sunday he'll be on all four as well so yeah and it will be on all four as well so you can go and get it from there but uh, rick and morty season six e4 5th of september at 4 a.m for that so that's all the highlights for next week on tv if people want to find more of you where can they find you find more of my podcasts over on entertainmenttalk.org or by searching for the same name on your favorite podcast platform did a bit of an offbeat podcast this week talking about my thoughts on religion because i've touched upon other like worldly topics and things like that so uh, I've talked about religion here and there but I decided to give that a full episode because I've talked about other things that go on in the world as well so I did that uh, United Cast is continuing we beat that little team called Liverpool um, so that was uh, good to do and then went on and beat Southampton 
signed two players since then, which is Casemiro and Anthony. So I'm looking forward to seeing them get put into the team a bit more regularly. We just finished with Better Call Saul and Westworld, me and David. So we did uh, coverage for that. One of them temporarily finished and one of them completely finished. So we we did a podcast for those. Gaming Talk, we're still doing those things. We covered a bunch of the news from Gamescon that's just uh, sort of come out. One of them, which is a game related to the sort of uh, writers and stuff from Rick and Morty. So we talked all about that and some new game announcements there. I did a whole bunch of film reviews recently. I did Prey, I did Nope, I did Luck and Jurassic World as well. Did that one. TV, Games, Films, May Night Podcasts uh, over on there. And if you want to find my gaming related content, Twitch, Etalk UK and YouTube Entertainment Talk Plays. Uh, that's for like other clips and things like that and FIFA episodes. Uh, so a whole bunch of stuff going on at the moment. But that's me. Cool. So go and check Matt out over there for other people involved in the show. You can, of course, find Bex on twitch.tv forward slash Bytes. That's B-Y-T-E-S. She uh, should be back up and doing regular streams again. Now she's back from Gamescon. So uh, I don't know when she's starting streaming again. I don't know whether she was doing streams while she was over there, actually. But she has got lots of stuff, as we mentioned earlier, like Tomb Failer and... Uh, chatting streams and retro games and all sorts of things over there always good fun to go and watch Bex so that's twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes that's B-Y-T-E-S and Daryl you can go and find at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those series that you love which are shot in Canada for us you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.